All right. Uh, welcome back to Catechize, the podcast where we discuss the historical reformed confessions and catechisms. I'm your host, Josh. With me, as always, is my co-host, St. John the Divine, M. Div. <laughs> yeah. That one sounds that one sounds good, Josh. We should leave that one in there. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> no, it sounds a little it sounds a little flashy. We um, um John, uh, we we'll, we do want to celebrate that John did graduate with his MD. That's a that's quite an achievement. Um, and and also we were just talking before this about how it it kind of rubs us the wrong way when people throw their degrees around unnecessarily. So yeah, I just you're just like I, felt right. <laughs> like if I like if I signed like a thank you card, uh, thank you so much, John Huff. M div. Like, M div. Like, you'd be like, up. this guy sucks. <laughs> you're, yeah. You're the worst. You're the worst yeah. kind of person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, oh, that would be, that'd be bad. Forgive <sighs> me. Um, yeah. Anyway, let's go back May to I patron saint of cows. Um, it's much more humbling. It, yeah, it's much more so, humbling. So to our Indian audience, am I right? <laughs> uh, I, don't, I, I don't know. Yeah, I was going to say, do we have... Well, it'd be cool if we had an Indian audience. So I think I saw like one person listen to two episodes over there or something on nice. that map that says where you listen. Anyways, doesn't matter. Um, yeah, we're we're back in the Catechism, uh, season seven, episode three. Um, this is the the last episode on the the Word of God as a means of grace uh, before we start talking about the sacraments next week. Um, so so we're gonna kind of tie a nice little bow on. Uh, <laughs> on, on on scripture as as god's means of grace yeah. excuse me oh gosh by by looking at the 90th question and answer help me <laughs> <laughs> that was that was like a, it was like someone attacked you from behind while you were <laughs> recording <gasps> <laughs> um anyway well yeah why don't we get started so we're on question 90 and i shall uh Start us off by reading that, and then you can read it, Josh. That sounds like the thing we always do. (laughs) (laughs) Great. All right, here we go. Question 90 of the Westminster Shorter Catechism. What is the word? No, let me restart, Josh. (laughs) I was reading. Word? I was reading the wrong line. Um, Question 90 of the Westminster Shorter Catechism. How is the word to be read and heard that it may become effectual to salvation? And the answer, that the word may become effectual to salvation, we must attend thereunto with diligence, preparation, and prayer, receive it with faith and love, lay it up in our hearts, and practice it in our lives. Great. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, very good. (laughs) Okay. Question 90 and answer 90 of the Westminster Shorter Catechism again for you. Uh, How is the word to be read and heard that it may become effectual to salvation? Uh, that the word may become effectual to salvation, we must attend thereunto with diligence, preparation, and prayer, receive it with faith and love, lay it up in our hearts, and practice it in our lives. Nice. There it is. Um, uh, oh. Oh. Can, uh, uh, may I speak? Um, here, just <laughs> let me say something quick. So, um, and then I'll let you, and then I'll let you rant, Josh. But, um, <laughs> But anyway, one one thing that I really like, or I think is cool about this question, especially when juxtaposed with the previous question, Ooh. so question eighty nine, is um, so in the previous question, the the focus is is clearly on you know the spirit of God making the 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 reading and preaching of the word effectual, and and all the ways in which the spirit of God 
works these things. The cool thing about this question, um, when it's you know put alongside it, is that the focus is on the on the we. Um, we must attend thereunto, and so it it creates this nice balance of a reminder that um, yes, the the emphasis should be on the working of the Holy Spirit in bringing about you know the reading and preaching of the word and making it effectual. But there is also an emphasis on us as you know preachers and readers to to put in put in the right effort and to read it faithfully. Um, and so you get this, I think you get this sort of cool balance between the two. Yeah. Kind of, I, I think I mentioned this quote last week, uh, but Tim Keller's in his preaching book, he mentions something like um, the difference between a good sermon and a bad sermon and a good sermon depends upon the preacher. But the difference between a good sermon and a great sermon depends entirely upon the Holy Spirit. I think it's sort of a, it's sort of a fun way of putting it basically. Like if you... Yeah the Holy Spirit can work with anything. So even if it's the worst and most unprepared sermon of, of all, you know, he can, he can swing that. But, um, but there is an, an emphasis upon us as well. And that's sort of what the question is going is uh, focusing on today. So sorry. yeah, yeah, no, it, it really, uh, it really applies and puts meat on the bones of Philippians Two, twelve, and thirteen. The work out your fear and trembling, faith with fear and trembling. For it's it's God who works in you to will and to work. Yeah. Um, so it's a, yeah yeah good 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 yeah. good. Um, so as we unpack that, as we unpack the the our responsibility regarding the word through which the Holy Spirit works. Um, there's phrases in the answer, and we're just basically breaking them apart and talking about them individually. So we'll look at this idea of diligence, preparation, and prayer. Um, look at the reception yeah. with faith faith and love um look at this in our hearts reality and then uh that uh, the concluding practicing of the word um yeah. uh later on so that's kind of the that's kind of the thing oh my dog yeah. is like very he's like you're freaking ignoring me you meanie um, <laughs> just shoved his face into my lap um nice well well we uh while uh theo attacks josh um theo being his dog um <laughs> Uh, we'll get started here. So, so the first section <laughs> is is diligence, preparation, and prayer. Um, and yes, yeah, so and like you said, we're going to break it down individually. Yeah. But I think yeah. you want to get us started. Yeah, for sure. So I think this this part is like it, this really grounds the idea that there is a responsibility on uh, on the reader of God's word, on on the hearer of the word preached, and and probably most particularly on the preacher of the word. Um, that that word, um, however much of it, whether it's a, a verse or a chapter um, or a book or whatever is being engaged with, um, that word must be approached with a diligence that seeks to to really understand what is found on that word with a, with a preparation. Like you can't just like oh, there's this passage in Acts, I think maybe it's in the Gospels where where, where someone's like, don't worry because the Holy Spirit will give you the the words to say in that hour or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And that's been interpreted by a lot of people, particularly the charismatics, not to pick on any, any to pick on them, but kind of um, that, that they're like, I don't need to prepare to evangelize. I don't need to prepare to preach because the Holy Spirit will give me the words to say. Uh, and that very particularly is about like missionaries and evangelists when they're put on trial <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, for, for like in a, in a legal court, uh, for their pr pr proclamation of the gospel. Um, that, that's not saying 
don't ever prepare what you're going to say that the Holy Spirit will, no, that's, that's irresponsible. Yeah. <laughs> um, we, we must prepare so that we can, can know what God is saying well, and also prayer, um, which is a, a which is a, a, an act of worship. It's also a, a an act uh, that we are called to do an act of obedience that we are called to do. And one that again, grounds even our own activity in the recognition that it's God who works both in us God works in us in our diligence, diligence, preparation, and prayer in order for us to know and, and see and hear and understand his word, but also that when that word is preached, it is him who is working through it um, uh, to make it effectual. And so that prayer, I think, grounds those things. Um, yeah. And so uh, I think all of this uh, is, a, is a good, like, all of this is a good reminder of the call, the responsibility of, of how we should approach and handle God's word, mm-hmm. regardless of our station, but again, particularly for preachers. Um, but also it implies certain things or it rests upon certain assumptions that, that with diligence, with preparation, with prayer, the word of God can be understood. The word of God can be, be accurately communicated to others. Um, and that gives the responsibility to the preacher, to the hearer, to the reader, um, that to, to recognize that insofar as that word is properly and accurately exposited or taught, insofar as that word is accurately read, it is the very word of God speaking. Um, God is speaking when his word is read. God is speaking when his word is preached insofar as it is preached accurately yeah. and faithfully. And, and that is that that elevates the reality of what it is to read and preach and hear the word of God. Mm-hmm. And that elevates the reality of what we should, what we should carry with us as we approach that word. Yeah. I, I think, so this, this reminds me kind of, of discussions I've had with people before. So oftentimes you'll run into people, particularly perhaps Roman Catholic people, but I've, I've, it's, I've talked with people who are not Roman Catholic who struggle with this as well. Um, there's sort of this like view that, uh, the Bible, you really can't interpret the Bible. Um, you, um, basically you, the Bible is difficult to interpret and therefore, or the Bible is impossible to deter, uh, interpret by itself. Everyone's going to have their own interpretation and who is to say which one is the correct interpretation. Um, and Quick so- aside. I had I had a whole class um, where this this past school year, not a Catholic in the bunch, um, where that was the assumption by like ninety eight percent of the students in that class, and it really? was a sticking point that kept us on like a week long rabbit trail uh, of me trying to interact with that idea, and there was an interesting stubbornness to it. But yeah, I think it's a it's a, a characteristically Catholic or maybe a formally Catholic sticking point that is yeah. also come come out in in broad evangelicalism yeah continue with your example yeah i was gonna say so for example when i've when i've had kind of discussions with with some catholic friends about this there's sort of this like well who is to say that this passage means this or it means this you know our interpretations are different and no one can tell which one's the you know true interpretation um and um the the response of this question and therefore you know our, our response to that would basically be that that's not true there is a clear um there is a way to understand the word of god um the issue is just that people think it should be really easy when in actuality it does take work um 
you have to study the the word carefully. You have to read the difficult passages in light of the easier to understand passages. And you have to, you know, come to a cohesive understanding through careful study. Um, it's not that you need like, so the Roman Catholic view is basically, therefore you need a, a divine interpreter like the Pope or the magisterium, magisterium. of the church to, to guide what each passage means. Um, but and and our response to that is that's not true. The word of God is clear. This is the doctrine of the perspicuity or the clarity of Scripture in which we believe. We believe that you can read your Bible and understand it, and God can reveal Himself in it properly and truly. Now that doesn't mean that if you turn to like, you know, if you've never read anything in your bible before and you turn to like mid ezekiel and are like <laughs> well why isn't this obvious to me what this means like um it doesn't mean that it's going to be like a simple little thing just to you know flip open blindfold pick a verse i understand this you know um, it means that if you carefully study as the passage you know as this question talks about with diligence with preparation with prayer um i think kind of related to that um diligently studying other Christians who have um, spent their lives trying to unpack and understand particular sections and passages. Um, putting in the work will bring you to a deep understanding of what it means. It just doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's, there's a lot of good biblical and theological arguments to expand on what you're saying. Yeah. But I think one of the, one of the most like I, I guess effectual or effective um, response to this. And one of the things that I always go to is that it seems pretty prideful and pretty arrogant to believe that I am able to speak with clarity, that I can say things that other people can understand and interpret accurately, but somehow God is not able to speak with the clarity that God is not able to be understood. Yeah. Um, and, and, and maybe some would take that too well. He is infinite, and so we need his infinite, his divine interpretation. But 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 that that that's just kind of putting the turtle one level back. Turtles all the way down, you know the thing. Um, <laughs> because it's like, well, if you have a divine interpretation, like who's to say that we can understand that divine interpretation clearly? Um, and and why is it that God didn't just speak with that level of clarity off the bat? Why would yeah. God speak vaguely and then? in a way that required him to speak again. That doesn't yeah. seem consistent with the character of God. Uh, and so so on what grounds do we say that people can speak with clarity, people can be understood, but somehow God is unable to communicate in a way that, that is clear. And then yeah. back to your your examples of like, you can't just expect to open up to a random page and understand it with complete wisdom. Um, there's mm -hmm. the diligence required. And I think yeah. that like we implicitly recognize that in things. Um, like we, we recognize that like, uh, I don't know if you like Lord of the Rings, um, you'll understand things a lot better, um, on your second or third read through, or if you've read the Silmarillion, you'll pick up on things that, that Tolkien put in, or if you like Harry Potter, you'll see the way in which J.K. Rowling hinted at things to come in the earlier books that you would have never seen before because you've read through it. And so you understand how the books work, how the genre works yep. or like with smart comedies, like arrested development, the more you watch the show, the more you see like stupid jokes that like, that, 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 that whatever. Or, but, but or like, even, 
even like like if I handed you like a biochemistry book, like and you've never studied an ounce of biology or chemistry, and you're like, this is unreadable. You know, I need divine interpretation to understand this. It's like, no, you just need to study it. You need to be. You need to learn a, how to read this kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. It's not impossible to understand. It just takes diligence. It takes effort. Right, right. And, and so like the reason that Revelation is really hard to understand is because most of the people who try to read Revelation have never read Daniel, Ezekiel, Zechariah, and other Old Testament books. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it's like, well, that's why. Like you can't, like you can't expect to go watch Avengers Endgame as your first Marvel movie and be like, I'm totally keeping up with everything in this. <laughs> yeah like you, like that's a silly thing if, if you also like yeah if you've only read uh like history um and then you pick up uh a fairy tale and you're like wow i can't believe that this would ever happen well you're reading it <laughs> you like that's not the genre that it is so there's a lot of things that have to do with yeah. hermeneutics and interpretation point being there, there is diligence, preparation, and prayer required to approach God's word faithfully in reading, in hearing, and in preaching. Yeah. But, but that does not imply, it doesn't imply that it can't be understood. It, it, in fact, it implies the opposite. It implies that, that, that God's word is clear and understandable, yeah. um, given the, the necessary uh, approach uh, uh, to it that, that opens it. Yeah. for us by the work of the spirit but anyways i think we've belabored that point yeah the, the the final thing i'd say is just the scripture is is amazing in that even if like someone who picks it up for the first time can understand aspects of it and someone who's been reading it for 60 years still can't completely plumb the depths of it and yeah. so yeah that's yeah. that's sort of the beauty of scripture yeah, a six-year-old can read it and 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 know the gospel and know their need of Christ and what Christ has done for them, and then a ninety-year-old guy, that same guy, when he's ninety, can pick it up and yeah, see new things about the way that God has worked in the world. So, mm -hmm. yeah. very cool. All right, next thing. Sorry, I just now you're like, good. Yeah, we're. I good. think that was I think that was good, but I think we lingered. Anyways, the next thing uh, it must be received with faith and love is the is the next point mm -hmm. made by the catechism, and again, I think that uh, that also grounds us. In the reality that um, I think there's two things that I want to highlight, and then John can add to this if he wants. Sure. Um, that that one, um, the means of grace which are made effectual by the Spirit of God are are effectual for those who have faith. Mm -hmm. um, faith is required, uh, and it's a gift of God. Ephesians two, um, but it's required in order for these things to be effectual. The Spirit works in them, in the faithful, in the elect, in the ones whom he has made alive um, and able to see. Uh, Paul goes through this in, in Corinthians a lot, like, like that, that, that to the dying, that the, the gospel is the stench of death, and to those who are mm -hmm. uh, inheriting eternal life, it is the, the aroma of life, um, that it is, yeah. Um, and so uh, there, there's this idea that it, that it requires faith in order to be effectual. Yeah. Um, and, and again, um that, that like god works in his people through his word when we believe what god promises and does in his word um god isaiah yeah so believe what he says um I, the most recent article for catechize which posted yesterday is about um about our struggle as the church both old and new testament church to actually believe the promises of god and act on them in faith mm. um and so we should receive the word of god with faith believe that this is actually what God has said and, and also love it. 
And I think one of the facets of loving the word that I want to highlight is that if we love God's word and have a proper understanding of it, um, then, then we should have certain expectations of that word, that we should expect that word to challenge us um, and to call us to change and conform, not the other way around. Mm-hmm. That we should we should expect that word to 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 bring comfort to us. Um, we should expect that word uh, to reveal the God whom we love to us more. And the more we know God, the more we'll be able to love Him accurately in accordance with who He truly is. Um, and like uh, like I think that there's I don't know in movies and in reality we see this this thing that that like. Like someone, um, so, like a soldier who dies in war, one of the most cherished things by their loved ones is the last letter from them. Yeah. Um, and, and our God is alive and active uh, and working. Um, uh, but, but this is his, his, his written word to us. This is the letter from the God whom we love. And so as the word from the God we love, we should cherish this, uh, the revelation that he has chosen to give to us as people. He has said, this is what I want you to know. And these are my words that I have given for you to have. And so they should therefore, I think, be cherished in the same way that a letter from a loved one um, is cherished. Yeah. I, I, um, I've, what I think is interesting about the receive with faith and love is what I immediately thought of is, so we talked about, before this, we primarily talked about studying the word with diligence and um, being attentive to it. But w- as I was thinking about it, if you if you study the word diligently, but you have no faith and love for God in your heart while you're doing it, it does you no good. So think think maybe of like um, if you know like if you've ever heard of like Bart Ehrman or or any of like kind of various critical scholars who who study the bible so that they can tear it apart and dis you know disavow it and show its supposed faults and whatnot um someone like bart ehrman there's it's quite likely he knows the bible better than i do in terms of just raw sort of like uh trivia and you know lots of stuff like that but he does not have faith or love for the bible um, and therefore, it is it is less useful to him than it is for you know a seven year old child who who just thinks you know Jesus loves him and this is God's book you know yeah. like yeah no that's yeah. a that's an awesome point um, I am I am looking at and and hoping to do study in in Germany further study in Germany and I was talking with people about that on Zoom yesterday and they were talking about how there is such a dramatic need for people who who actually believe to come and be a part of these theological communities yeah. because from the top down um, they're void of of life because they're filled with people who who study the bible and theology in the way that someone might study philosophy or history or literature yeah. it is just an academic genre or category and that's it mm-hmm. uh, and, and so much of our the universities of the west are filled with that mentality so that, that's a really yeah. well good good thing john thank you yeah um moving on for moving the sake on of time and stuff okay so um all of the, the next line is that, that we are to lay it up into our hearts lay it up in our hearts and i think that um this is like we have a there's a couple of things about this idea of get putting the word in our hearts that I think are, are interesting. First of all, it's, it, this is like the command 
from God to his people from the very beginning uh, in the Shema, the, the basically the, the, pro, the creed of ancient Israel. Um, in Deuteronomy 6, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your, your, uh, your heart, your soul, and your, your, your strength, your muchness, or whatever. Um, and that, that is followed by a command to meditate on God's word from the second you wake up until the second you go to bed in, in everything that you do. Um, that, that, that the people of God are to be saturated with the word of God so that they know it, so that it, it influences and guides everything of them. And that's possible when that word is laid up in their hearts. That's the very beginning of the call to faith of Israel. And it's also this, the center of the promise of the new covenant in Jeremiah 31, um, where, where Jeremiah prophesies that, that in this new covenant, they will no longer need to teach one another for they shall all know the Lord. Yeah. Um, and, and, and at the heart is this, this, this steeping in and the knowledge of that, that God's word is in us. And I think we've, we've aired in this in certain ways where like Awana is a great program and I did it and it's good, but it can easily be abused where you're like, I memorized this one verse out of context so I can get the piece of candy. Yeah. Um, and, and then I, <laughs> I forget it by the next week. Um, and, 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 uh, and then there's the other thing of like, the Bible is so foreign to me because I never read it. Like the way that we saturate, the way that we lay up God's word in our hearts is by being in it continuously over long periods of time in big chunks. We're not called to know 20 verses out of context by heart for candy. Um, And we aren't to expect to know the, the, the word of God well um, in a week. Uh, But, Mm. but the laying up of God's word in our hearts as, as is commanded in Deuteronomy, as is hoped for in Jeremiah 31, uh, is the result of the Spirit working in the diligent um, and continual time in God's Word, which is, again, I think, a consequence of this thing. If you love it, you'll spend time with it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think I think that's great. I don't have too much to add to that because you covered it well. So nice work, Josh. Oh, wow. So encouraging today of one another. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll be really short with the last part then and let you sure. go with it if you want. Um, but the last part is that, that, that there are clear realities that, that faith without works is dead in, in James 2, that, that, our, uh, that our salvation by grace through faith, which is a gift of God, is for good works, which God has prepared for us beforehand, Ephesians 2.11. Um, and that, uh, that, that, is, that is not the hearers of the word only, but hearers and doers who, who inherit the kingdom. Um, I think I'm misquoting that last one a little bit, but, um, yeah. uh, but hearers and doers are those who have faith. And so there's a reality that the, the necessary consequence of us diligently preparing and prayerfully going through the word of God, there, of us diligently receiving it with faith and love and truly loving it in a way that causes us to lay it up in our hearts, the natural and necessary consequence of those things are done is that it would change how we live, that mm. we would practice, that we would live according to what this book says. Um, and, and that it, that it, uh, that, that, that the word is, a, is effectual um, in this life, <laughs> not only when you die, but the effectual yeah. unto salvation reality of this word as the spirit works through it is that it changes how we live and governs how we practice um, our faith in every single piece of our life. Yep, exactly. Basically, going back to what I what I said already, uh, if you are, you know, studying the word diligently and you have you you're doing it faithfully and lovingly, um, laying it up in your heart, the obvious outworking of that should be 
a change in your life, a practicing of what you are reading. And so it's sort of, that's not to say that like, oh, you know, you're still struggling with sin after reading the Bible. You just, you're not reading the Bible or something like that. Um, But it is to say there should be, you should be, you should see signs of growth in areas of your life, a deepening of your faith. And be seeking to make those a reality. Yep, exactly. Proactive. Yeah, it's not just like, oh, this will happen accidentally. Um, it's a it's an applying of what you hear. And going back to last week, like we said, I think one of the best ways to this is to be to to get this is to regularly sit under good preaching. And part of good preaching is applying that to the lives of the listeners. And so if you are regularly sitting under good preaching that um, that is striving to not only present the word, but apply it to your life, then that should give you easy steps um, toward not easy, like as in they're easy to do, but perhaps easier to understand steps to uh, to more and more practicing what the Bible teaches. And when you're reading it prayerfully, diligently on your own, don't just try to understand what the passage is saying. Don't just read it um, for some comfort or, or intellectual or spiritual in- inspiration read it also to see how can my life change according to what i've read here yeah. how can what i do be different yeah cool Sweet. well history of the All week right. history of the week this one's short let's um, do it so uh, john knox is like the reformer of scotland and like the father of presbyterianism so respect to our our, our forefather uh, uh good guy also like pretty crazy biography like <laughs> like for a while he was a he was a bodyguard of some some royal person some i think or maybe some some politician or whatever yeah just followed him around with this like massive broadsword um and <laughs> and as as uh the reformation was was toiling in england and scotland he was like um enslaved and and, and was a was an oarsman on a on a longboat for france for Dang. like years and it's like that's brutal. Like yeah. you're just malnourished, working, like rowing hard, hard for for almost the whole day. Yeah, uh, he has a crazy story. Studied under Calvin, I believe, or at least was in Geneva. Um, and, and uh, yeah, crazy dude. Anyways, yeah. So he's like he's 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 pretty pretty respectable, intense, hardcore, really profound and and uh, kind of theologian. A and yeah, just right all around cool dude. Um, and I think considering those realities that he, he like in his sermons would call out the queen (laughs) and he was, he was bold. Like he was not like, again, endured brutal, uh, time in the hull of a, a basically a slave ship. Um, and, and, and was a, was a bodyguard, like ready to fight with a, with a sword to protect this, this friend leader of his, um, and, and this is one of his most famous quotes. Um, I have never once feared the devil, but I tremble every time I enter the pulpit. Um, mm. and, and to see again the, the boldness of this man and, and, and in every basically area of life uh, and to see again his claim, never feared the devil, um, which, uh, which isn't like the, the folly that it may appear at first. Um, he's not saying that, that the devil is real or that we should not be concerned with the, the activity or opposition of the devil. 
Yeah. But but there's a confidence in God's power over the devil that there's no reason to fear him. And that's biblical wisdom. Yeah. But that I tremble every time I enter the pulpit. That statement is a recognition of the weight and responsibility of preaching the word of God. And I think it's the, the, uh, a somber and appropriate application of what we find in the catechism here. Yeah. Um, that, that this is God's word. It is clear. But, but, but he- heavy... Uh, heavy is the burden laid upon those who are called to proc- to proclaim this is the word of the Lord, to read it and then to explain it faithfully. Yeah. Um, that 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 burden and that the significance of that task uh, is clear in Scripture. Um, that 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 various forms of misleading people is condemned with unique harshness, uh, and there's a confidence I can understand this and I can communicate it clearly. But boy, had I better do that. Yeah, I, <laughs> um, and there, I think that that that's humbling reality of of recognizing what is being done when the word is preached is yeah. is, a, is a cool and necessary reminder. Yeah, I I I think it's great to be reminded both of the gravity and also of the of the uh, sort of honor of the of the situation. I remember I read, I re- I cannot remember who whose quote this was, but I remember reading it. Um, uh, and it said, um, something to the effect of like, why would someone called to be a preacher stoop so low as to be a king? And, um, basically just being like, there's no higher calling and therefore nothing should be taken more seriously than the, um, than the call to be a preacher. And so, and this is just a good, I think this is also a good reminder for us because sometimes, uh, there's, <laughs> I, I don't know if you've ever, ta- if we've talked about this, Josh, or you've ever thought about it, but like sometimes there's sort of this view where like, oh my, uh, my main, you know, first career path isn't really working out. Guess I'll just uh, skip on over to I can just be a pastor, you know, like, like it's some sort of like easy sort of fill in option, um, when in actuality, like, like we've said, it's, you know, there is immense gravity to the position of preaching the word of God to the people of God being the being the being sort of in a, in one sense being sort of the voice piece of God sort of um, explaining and um, teaching his word to his people and so there is serious gravity in that and that should not be something we take lightly or we think is sort of like a casual little a little thing no big yeah yeah so nice. yeah sweet Very well heresy of the, the week, week. Nice wah, jinx. Wah, wah. Um, You're a soda. <laughs> um. Anyway, um. So the heresy of the week is this week is actually sort of like a, a kind of like a sort of like a falling off on one side of the road or the other. Um. Two two we, ditches. We like to do those. We like to do the the two yeah. ditches on the side of the road in this show. Yeah, they're just they're just fun. So. Um, basically what we're going to be talking, um, it relates a little bit to what we talked about, about scriptural interpretation. Um, and so, um, there was this argument or there was a Roman Catholic argument during the Reformation that the Reformation was making every man his own Pope. Um, basically, um, what this means is like, if there's no Pope properly interpreting the word of God, then every man just suddenly becomes the Pope. They can interpret it authoritatively for themselves. Um, and this is, this is distinctly not 
what the reformers were arguing for. You know, they weren't saying, oh, every every person's interpretations is equally uh, equally true. Like that that is not what was what what their point was. But interestingly, this um, this argument of the Roman Catholics is actually true of um well in that time it was this group called the anabaptists who basically were ex- sort of more extreme in that direction every interpretation for himself my, me and my bible in my corner sort of um but we especially see that today in a lot of modern evangelicalism where it's yeah, sort of I think like, most clearly today like yeah that that wasn't the like that was present with the anabaptists probably but but not the hallmark of them yes and it just has bloomed right now unfortunately yeah exactly so um the other side of the ditch is sort of this modern evangelical uh kind of every interpretation you know you're just sitting in your bible study and you're like what do you think about this and someone's like i think it means this and for me, I think it means this. And we're like, oh yeah, that's good. That's good. That's good. Like the not- Bible study, like the, the reality of this is is just painfully clear by the reality <laughs> that probably everyone who listens to this can say that they have at, at one point in their life been in a Bible study where they <laughs> sat in a circle and they went around and everyone said a thing that started with what this verse means to me is yeah. <laughs> um, um but but sorry. But- but yeah, no, that you're good. Um, but yeah, so these are sort of the two ditches for which the Reformed view passes down the middle. So on the one side, we have the Roman Catholic view, which is, I can't read this. It has no meaning unless I have the divinely inspired Pope guiding me um, or the magisterium of the, of the church pointing me exactly to what each of these means, um, almost almost to make the word of God useless without um, the, the the Roman Catholic Church guiding it. Um, but then on the other side, we have the view that the word of God can mean anything you want it to mean, just as long as you're like, you know, sincere and, um, uh, it just feels like it means this. And so the <laughs> reformed man, who, yeah, what a dangerous, what a dangerous sentiment. <laughs> Very true. Um, the reformed view passes down the middle, basically saying there is an objective, true and proper interpretation of the Bible. And through careful study and preparation, we can access that, particularly, like I mentioned, studying the work of the church, studying um, theologians before us, studying the the great thinkers who have helped shape our own thinking. Um, But all of them are pointing to an objective understanding of the scriptures, which we ourselves can access through careful preparation um, and prayer. And this is not... You know, it means whatever you want it to mean, but it's also not, I don't know what this means. God can't reveal himself to me without the Pope. Um, And so we're, the reformed view is to drive a line between those two. Right. Right. And to, uh, yeah, to, 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 to try and make clear that, that rejecting Rome's understanding does not require the error that they fear. Yeah. Yeah. Also. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's funny. I just realized. I think the uh, Roman Catholic Anabaptist thing. I think that's from Herman Bovink. So sort of double history of the week there. Um, but Herman Bovink is the one I think who basically explains sort of like there's sort of three understandings of this. Yeah. Um, there's the Roman Catholic, the Reformed, and the Anabaptist. Uh, but I think, like Josh said, the Anabaptist could <laughs> is more clearly seen not even in Anabaptist. Anabaptists themselves back then, but in 
uh, modern evangelicalism now. You know, okay, last thing. Sorry, Josh. Um, I just keep <laughs> blabbering. Um, I just read Carl Truman's uh, The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. Such a good book. Also, uh, f- so quick aside, for whatever John's about to say about this book, he released a an abridged version that's less than half as long called Ooh. Strange Strange New World. I'm currently reading it. I've read The Big Boy. I'm reading The Little Guy now. Um, so, so whatever John says, read one of the books. Yeah. Um, uh, w- whether you read the 400 some page one or the 180 some page one. Go yeah. ahead. Yeah. Nice. Oh, that's cool. I I want to check that out. Um, but anyway, what I was going to say is he talks all about how the sort of rise of expressive individualism, where sort of all about your what how you feel as a person becomes the defining marker of pretty much like what you believe and and so if you feel this way it must be true truth is defined by feelings um and you know in some ways maybe well okay to be honest in a lot of ways this has kind of gotten into the church as well and i think this is what we're talking about a little bit with this modern evangelical bible study approach where well if it if you feel like this about this passage if you read this and it makes you feel this way it must be a true interpretation when in actuality you could read it feel this way and be like no you completely you completely misread the passage um and you are not reading the word of god for what it's saying but only for you know sort of how it makes you feel and so i don't know i think i think it's a great i think the truman book is a great book um and i commend them to you yeah Good fun. Cool. Uh, Well, thank you for tuning in. Uh, We'll be back next week with the sacraments. Um, Send us your questions to catechized at gmail.com or or in our DMs on Instagram. You can follow us there at catechizedpod. Uh, Same on Twitter. Um, Please leave us likes, comments, reviews, stars, whatever, depending on which app you use to listen. Uh, Share it with a friend if you think or family member or whoever if you think it'd be helpful. Um, Thank you uh, for tuning in. Thank you for uh, encouraging words. Thank you for prayers. Thank you for to our patrons for their financial support. And um, we uh, we love doing this, and we 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 love that people find it helpful. Uh, check out our website where we do articles every Wednesday. Uh, we're trying to do uh, audio versions of them as well, so you can read or listen. Um, that's catechized.org. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Thank. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I was gonna say. I think actually, a lot of this the last couple episodes discussing the word and then the sacraments and prayer. Even if you haven't listened to like, you're like, I don't want to listen to this whole back catalog. I think this is a kind of good, good place to jump in and sort of um, get some of the catechism. If you're not, if you're not ready to, you know, go listen to the previous 60 episodes or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Good point. Cool. Um, Yeah. But thanks. Uh, Catechize your kids. We'll see you next week. Okay. Bye. (laughs)